Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. Sean, here we are again. Another episode of the Post-Purchase podcast. Man, I love doing these because we get to dive deep into a lot of great entrepreneurs. We get to meet great founders. We get to meet business owners from around the industry. And today we have a very special one. We have Chris Schipferling. Um, Sean, I know you couldn't pronounce that one, but I was able to. So Chris, welcome to the show. Love hey, thanks guys. Here. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. One of my favorite topics, Chris, ever since I sold my first business, I was 27 years old and now I'm completely addicted to it. It's like, you know, where's, where's the next kill? I'm always looking for that. So <clears throat> anytime we get to talk about exiting or maximum valuation or fundraising, it's like, um, it really gets me stirred up and, and, uh, Seth and I love nothing more than to jump into that. Seth. We sure do because Sean, it seems like when you're building a business, um, you never make as much while you're growing your business as you does you do exiting. So that's the fun part for us. So um, let me brag on Chris for a little bit. Chris started his career in CPG as no or you know it as consumer package goods, goods as a sales and marketing executive for companies ranging between twenty and five hundred million dollars. So he comes with experience. Over time, he developed a passion to speak directly with consumers about product and brand and uh, now he's co-founded global wired advisors a lower middle market investment bank and he also co-founded south call which is a -a one-of-a-kind e-commerce accelerator fund he spends all of his time now working with founders and owners just like us on how they can improve and eventually sell their company for the most amount so chris welcome to the show you totally look like you read that, Seth, but that's okay. I did. <laughs> you were great. You were great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so um, the title of this episode, number 76 of the Post-Purchase Podcast, well, I should shut that phone off. I'm so unprofessional, Chris, as you know, is what does the exit of tomorrow look like? So you care to uh, jump into that, and then we'll get into some more questions. Yeah, absolutely. I think it will produce a lot of good dialogue, to be honest with you. I think, you know, the past... The past two years, every Amazon-centric business has experienced this, you know, flutter of of excitement around I can exit my business. And um, I think one of the most fortunate and unfortunate things was, fortunately, it opened up uh, it opened up exits for a lot of people who, frankly speaking, just probably didn't have a strong chance to exit their business. Um, un- unfortunately, it also it also did the same thing, and it's now carrying on when the music has stopped. So there's a lot of un- unfortunate misconceptions that have bled into post what I would call kind of the post aggregator, not apocalypse. That's not what's happening, <laughs> but it's post aggregator refinement. That's how I would put it. There's a lot of refinement that's going on. Acquisitions have contracted. M and A has contracted in general, and that misconception that still kind of rings true is, well, my business as it looked in 2020 and 2021 has a strong chance to exit and it's just simply not true. So that's why I wanted to talk about what does the exit of tomorrow look like? And really at high, high level, what, what you have to think about as a brand owner, as a business owner is one, am I building brand? A, am I speaking to my consumer? Am I having the second conversation? And how am I interacting with that consumer to build the community um, and create just totally riffing and stealing from a famous book, raving fans, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's number one, building brand. But then number two, which is a tenet of CPG is product development and really understanding how to develop product that's both innovative, it's protective, um, and not necessarily evergreen, but you've got a view and you've created a product roadmap to then, of course, enhance the brand. That's going to grow sales. That's going to, to allow you to be to rotate away from Amazon, which is a very big deal for the exit of tomorrow, diversification. Omnichannel was a buzzword starting back in 2008 and nine, and it, it plays an even more important role today, which is taking your product into other channels, <laughs> diversifying, getting rid of that channel risk um, and being able to move away, but, uh, and having a healthy mix. It doesn't mean you neglect Amazon. It just means you're looking at diversifying, but there's certain tenants that you have to build in your company in order to do that. Well, Seth, I'm sure cannot wait to rip on that. Can you, Seth? Yeah, this is really good stuff. So, Chris, think about, um, you know, 12 months ago, money was cheap and easy. <laughs> the economy looked super rosy um, and everybody was just buying up, uh, you know, these businesses as quickly as they could because they thought that they were going to miss out. But now what I'm hearing you say, I think, is that you actually have to have a real business and you have to have a real brand. You have to create something of real value um, as, and, and expand into um, these other channels because that, that takes the risk out of it for the buyer. So you have to build something a little bit more valuable um, for the exit of tomorrow. So that's great. Uh, let's just dive in here, Chris. Yep. What, what was the reason why Global Wired Advisors was created in the first place? Yeah, great question. We were um, we started. We, we call ourselves like you guys, pre-aggregator. <laughs> you got to start using that language. Pre-aggregator, I love yeah, it. It's like BC and AD, right? It's going to uh, be cliche soon. It's going to be a cliche very, very soon, Sean. I agree. So, um, you know, my my background is CPG. My partners came from institutional investment banking, so they worked in the bulge brackets uh, like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, uh, Deutsche, City, etc. They worked across all different functions inside of their investment banks, trading derivatives and currency, M&A transactions for Fortune 50 companies. And almost all at the same time, we all became entrepreneurs. And by happenstance, we all met each other around the same time as well. Um, what we realized very quickly all together was that there is a there is there were a lot of business brokers in this space, which, by the way, where I came from, I never heard of a business broker before because we only worked with investment bankers. So if we wanted to sell off or divest one of the companies, we worked with a middle market investment banking fund, um, a middle market investment bank. Um, typically, one company was private equity owned that the private equity company would come in and choose and et cetera. So this space was filled with a lot of business brokers. And, and I'm not going to sit here and disparage them. They fulfill a need uh, for a space. But I will say What's lacking typically in their process is a level of thoroughness and detail um, and sophistication required to broaden the horizon of where a business that really deserves to go further than just a small group of people or individual investors um, is, is required. And so we saw the whole and said, hey, we can take this institutional level process, the sell side process, and we could deploy it into the space sure. and, and allow um, business owners, the option to now have this process that can optimize the sale of their company. Um, wow. and so, you know, we work with, we work with private equity, we work with family offices, we work with corporate strategics. And a lot of the reasons why we can get in front of those desks is because a, we either have the relationships from prior experience or B, 
um, it, it is a matter of they see our backgrounds. They go, okay, I, I'm I'm used to this type of process, and I want to work with you guys, and I want to see what you guys bring as far as deal flow. I love it. So um, we're going to quickly run out of time because this is a passionate subject uh, that all three of us seem to love. But I want to ask you real quick, uh, Chris, what is the current state of the market for Amazon centric businesses, if you don't mind? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, look, there's still a bid for for Amazon centric customers for sure. Um, but it's just not as robust as it was a year ago. Uh, multiples have contracted, but look, e-commerce normalized, right? E-commerce went nuts and then it normalized again. Now the clip of how it's growing is still great, but it's the same. It's the same with 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 Amazon centric business multiples. Before you got a three or four multiple, aggregators came along and created crypto craze. It's what we call it, <laughs> and things went to seven, eight multiples, and then now they're just going back to normalized multiples for a business that looks a lot like an Amazon centric business. It's got a lot of channel concentration. You've got more or less product profit um, as opposed to like building a brand off of Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, look, the current state is still there. There's still a bid. It's just not as many buyers. Process is a little slower. Um, But as I said in the beginning of this podcast, um, I mean, do some do some things that I mentioned and then wait about six to nine, maybe 12 months. And I think, you know, you're going to see a flurry of activity start to come back into the space for sure. Great. So maybe don't get so much in a hurry, Chris. Uh, you know, go back to work on your business. Don't uh, be rushing for the door just because, um, you know, it's not as rosy as it once was. That's that's good advice. So, <laughs> so Chris, what question do you wish that all Amazon sellers would ask themselves before they're uh, exiting? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it goes, I think it's, it goes to exactly to what you just said, um, as a summary, you know, slow down, just take some sake, take some inventory, you know, what do I really look like to a potential buyer? How do I, how can I assimilate every single function of my business and how can I break it down to then optimize it? If I've got to take on debt, don't be afraid to take on debt there. That's, that's an okay thing for a growth company. And someone who has put their head down and really thought through a real strategy for growth, a real strategy to rotate away from Amazon, or just a real strategy to prop up and continue to, to enhance their 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 business on Amazon as a channel. Um, I also would I would also want them to kind of take a step back and start writing down what their long term goals look like for their business. You know, what are they looking to really achieve? Um, that's going to be really important, you know, and, and, and I think when you take stock and you take a moment to really, you know, uh, not to get too fluffy with words, but meditate on what it is, what it is you're really looking to accomplish. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that you, that I think the, the, the horizon starts to become much clearer. Um, and I think you're going to be very happy by doing that exercise and really thinking through the kind of long-term effects of that. So solid advice, Chris. Thank you. So without breaking any uh, NDAs or going into to too many uh, fluffy details, as yeah. you would say, can yeah. you talk about a uh, recent case study or something that you've worked on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I probably, I probably would, would give two, two very quickly. I'll be succinct. You know, we, um, we actually had a business. It was a couple of years ago. It was a direct-to-consumer stroller business um, that was selling 98% through Amazon and through uh, some really 
really interesting effort um, on the part of the guy who was who was the, the the marketing lead. He was one of the co-founders, but the marketing lead, he was able to rotate the business in the opposite direction and make it 80-20 off Amazon, 20 on Amazon. And those numbers were, were starting to go uh, even more delta between the two over time. Um, because of that, because they built out a robust product roadmap um, and they built brand, they built that community. Um, that was able to get, now you hear a lot of brokers get on stage and talk about multiples. What I'm about to tell you is an, God's honest truth. It got a seven, about a seven to 7.2 multiple, um, wow. with a lot of potential earnout on the upside, not sold to an aggregator. It was sold to private equity, but that's the difference. When you build something that's so attractive, when you build something that's got really good protection around it. It's super. It's a very attractive asset. When you go out there, you're going to get lots of bids. You're going to get a lot of people very interested, especially if you hire someone who can articulate the growth opportunity. So that's kind of one case study. So, uh, Chris, you've uh, mentioned several times now uh, rotating away from Amazon. Um, yeah. This is, uh, you know, something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested in your perspective perspective on, which is. You know, if I'm building a brand and Amazon's my bread and butter, I, 80, 90% of my sales are in, on Amazon. From your perspective, Chris, how much um, effort should I really be putting into rotation off of Amazon? Is it really going to make that big of a difference when I go to exit? Yeah, because you own your data. That's the biggest difference. You know, when you're off Amazon, you get to own the data. Um, and you can continue to, and depending on the type of product that you're selling, of course. So there's a ton of nuance here. Um, you know, also, can you even build that community off Amazon? That's a huge question. Yeah. So I think it's more about expectations when I talk about this stuff. So for instance, if you're just wanting to build your business through one channel, Amazon, no problem. There's a bid for it. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be able to sell your company to somebody. If you're a, if you've got all the good tenants of, 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 an, of selling your business, right. You've got good protection. You've got great product, et cetera. So I'm not discrediting, but I am going to discount it slightly to say that if you've gone out and done the hard work um, to really build brand and make it prolific, yeah, you're going to get rewarded for that for sure. And A, you own the data. Mm -hmm. B, you can open up such a wider consumer base, whether it's through retail, direct-to-consumer, international expansion through distribution, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, uh, Chris, talk about the uh, the elephant in the room when it comes to these Amazon-centric businesses. Seth and I, as you know, we focus on the customer, not the product. And unfortunately, a lot of these Amazon sellers who may be first-time entrepreneurs, they think that the business revolves around the product. And Seth and I put a huge amount of effort into creating relationships, nurturing those relationships through follow-up marketing and making the company more like, or making our brand and our business more like Amazon's model, and that is customer-centric. Because without the data, as you said, you really have nothing. You're just creating transactions on a third-party platform. So I love the fact that you touched on owning that asset, owning that data, which for us adds a, a huge uh, multiplier to the value of any brand, whether it's an agency or a physical product or, or info product, doesn't matter. So I'm glad that you touched on that. So where do you see Chris, most sellers getting it wrong when they start to prep their business for an exit. You know, it doesn't happen overnight, or if it does, as you said, you're going to discount it. Mm -hmm. But if I want to prep my business for sale, when should I start? 
and where should I focus? I mean, where do I get the biggest bang for the buck, the, 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 the 20% effort that's going to get the 80% gains on my valuation? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'll take a step back and I'll say, I think it's a little bit of a, I think it's a little bit of a cultural, it's a cultural think uh, or thought within, I guess the call it the Amazon space. Um, there's a lot of uh, tips and tricks. There's a lot of cheating the video game. Now, look, I think it's great. I think you need tips and tricks. You need to cheat the video game. But unfortunately, what it's done is it hasn't allowed um, the brand owner or the founder owner to really think and in, in, uh, beyond just doing that. And, you know, when you go to other circles, like I've been to a lot of direct to consumer conferences. I've been to a lot of trade shows. I'm sure you guys have, too. And it's a different it's a different culture. It's a different conversation. It's it's growing something prolific. It's growing something you know bigger, something greater. Um, so I think some of the mistakes that people have made is they've made it a little bit too much of building it off of tips and tricks. Um, what I would call you know r- rubber bands and toothpicks. <laughs> um, they haven't really done the 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 hard work of everything that we discussed today. So that's probably number one. Number two. Um, they they didn't start early on talking to whether it's someone else who's had a successful exit, whether it's, you know, a, a, a reputable business broker, whether it's an investment bank, you know, 18 months, maybe even 24 months prior to their exit, just to ask the simple question, what should I be thinking through? I can't tell you guys how many times we're presented with, oh, yeah, my bookkeeper, my finances are so clean. And then all of a sudden we get them and we're like, these are not clean. And I don't know who your bookkeeper is, but... <laughs> They, uh, you actually thought you had a million of, of SDE. You only have like 300,000. I mean, that's happened a lot. That's and, amazing. you know, they think they're ready. You're not familiar, like, Seth? Yeah. <laughs> Look, we, one time we caught, one time we, <laughs> yeah, we caught a bookkeeper. They missed almost two and a half million of EBITDA. Yeah. Well, when Seth and I first joined forces, our entire business model was let's leverage Amazon, build the brands to what we considered a mature level and then sell those brands. And the very first thing that I said to him when we partnered was keep the books clean because going through a couple of acquisitions, that was the biggest headache for me was like, yeah, I think the books are clean, but I'm a sales guy. I'm not a CPA. I don't know. <laughs> and I can't even add uh, two plus two half the time. That's right. We're about ready to get into something amazing that I know that you've uh, created to offer the listeners and watchers of the podcast. Yeah. But before we do, we need to pause for station identity. Okay. As you know, Seth and I don't sell anything on the show at the post-purchase podcast. So why don't you do us a favor right now? If you'll just go to your favorite podcast platform and just like us and review us, write us a review, give us a star rating. We'd sure appreciate it. And it will help other entrepreneurs like you easily find our show. Thank you. Okay. So Chris, uh, thank you for suffering through that. I want to uh, let folks know that for the listeners of, of the post-purchase podcast, whether you're listening to this on audio or you're watching this on some of our social channels, uh, Chris and, and, and his colleagues are offering a free, a complimentary consultation. It's free. doesn't mean it's, it's not valuable. It's very valuable, the consultation. They're just doing it complimentary, yeah. and you can sign up for that. You can see it on your screen, southcold.co. Um, and, uh, I'll have, uh, Chris explain a little bit about what that means. If you don't mind Chris. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, not to confuse your listener. So we've talked a lot about global and exits, but we've recently just started a joint venture with sellers funding and a Scala multiply me, 
um, and we formed a, a growth fund, an accelerator growth fund called South Call, where we inject actual you know working capital into the business. Um, and then you get an army of hands and feet. We're not an aggregator. I want to make that very clear. I'm not building out a back office. Um, you know, we engage with wonderful guys like, uh, you know, like you guys at Post Purchase Pro to, uh, hey. to our businesses. Um, but uh, we really kind of dig deep into our resources. And as you as we've gone through, you know, with my background in CPG, uh, we have a really deep bench of, of both, you know, brand marketers brand oriented folks and consultants, product development consultants that can really help these businesses get to their optimized state and accelerate. And really what we're looking to do is exit in the next two years. So we're looking to kind of deploy everything that we've discussed, all the advice we've given can will actually be deployed through this accelerator fund where we take our time, we build the business, but we inject, we overcapitalize the company in the process. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. Please reach out to me. Let's have a cut. If you're ready to go to market now, happy to have that conversation. Um, I, we don't always take on everybody who calls us. Um, and that's not out of pride or hubris. It's just it may not be a good fit. And we've got lots of people we can send you to. We've got lots of people you can go have conversations with in our resource network. We're very altruistic <laughs> and we like to be that way. So, uh, yes, 30 minutes, my time. We can walk through your business. Not a problem. And I can kind of give you some really good advice. Amazing. So since this is a podcast, Sean, let's say this uh, URL out loud for everybody who's listening. So it's www.south, just as it sounds, and then col.co, and then you can get your complimentary consultation with Chris. Um, Obviously, Chris, you have a lot of experience in the industry, so that is uh, super, super valuable. Also, you can email Chris at cs at globalwiredadvisors.com. Um, Seth, you glitched out on me there for a little bit. So let me just repeat that. It's CS at globalwiredadvisors.com. Okay, go ahead. All right, amazing. So Chris, we're going to move uh, to the last segment of our show. We always ask um, two fun questions to all of our guests. And uh, the first question I have for you today is what is your all-time favorite business book or books? Oh man, good to great. Jim Collins, like number one. It was one of the first business that and Michael Gerber's The E Myth Revisited. Those are two books I that was a two of the first books I read that just got that just massively piqued my interest in business. It's it. Good to great, correct? Yeah, by Jim Collins. Yeah. It's about level five leadership. And, All right. Uh, yeah. We actually had uh, grit to great yesterday. So that was an easy uh an easy banner to <laughs> to switch out. So that's a good one. I haven't read that one yet. It's not very often we uh we hear something. Have you had it? Yet, Seth? Yes, yes, it oh, is yeah? a good book. Okay, yeah. great. And you didn't recommend it to me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so my question to you, uh, Chris, we often, we're entrepreneurs. We always talk about money, making money, exiting for uh, massive amounts of, of uh, wealth. And yeah. so one of the fun questions I like to ask is, what's something that you purchased in the last 12 months personally that may be considered a splurge by others, but you don't regret it? A uh, new set of golf clubs, no question. A new set of <laughs> golf clubs. You heard it. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a nice. I mean, you know, the, the golf clubs aren't like crazy, crazy expensive, but I I bought a new driver with it too, and and some new like I bought irons, a driver, and I bought some um, uh, like a gap wedge, and I bought a sixty degree. I bought the whole and a new putter. I bought the whole kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He bought it and he doesn't regret it. So. Uh, don't go anywhere. Seth's going to take us out of here, but after the uh, the exit, uh, the B-roll here, we'll chat for a moment. Seth? 
Yeah. So Chris, we always ask uh, what people like to splurge their money on because we talk about, um, you know, emotional products all the time and just seeing your face light up about those golf clubs, you know, it didn't matter what it was going to cost. You were going to have exactly what you wanted. So we love it. All right, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the Purchase podcast today and sharing with us uh, some of the wisdom that you picked up over the years. So thanks so much. I am one of your uh, co-hosts, Seth Stevens, along with my other co-host, Sean Hart. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Chris.